Are you looking to reach your full potential and achieve success in business and in life? Want only tried and tested guidance from people who have truly made an impact? You have come to the right place. Welcome to Five Questions with Dan Shabell. New York Times bestselling author Dan Shabell distills the most actionable and tangible advice from a variety of world-class humans, including entrepreneurs, authors, Olympians, politicians, billionaires, Nobel Prize winners, TED speakers, celebrities, astronauts, and more. Inspirational guidance, practical advice, and concrete solutions. Our Power Chat starts now. Welcome to the 35th episode of Five Questions with Dan Shaw-Bell. As your host, my goal is to curate the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is songwriter, producer, and author Moby. Born Richard Melville Hall in Harlem, New York City, Moby was named after Herman Melville, who authored the classic Moby Dick. His father died in a car crash while drinking when he was only two years old. His mother struggled to support him, relying on food stamps and welfare to make ends meet. His first job was as a caddy on a golf course, then took up music when he turned nine. Moby played guitar, and his mom taught him how to play the piano. In 1983, he became the guitarist for the punk band The Vatican Commandos and started producing electronic music. After dropping out of college, he pursued his career as a DJ, eventually signing with Instinct Records in the mid-1990s. In 1999, Moby released his fifth and most well-known album entitled Play, which sold over 12 million copies worldwide, and he went on tour for almost two years. He's written two memoirs, Porcelain and his latest, Then It Fell Apart, which we will be discussing in this episode. In, in the book, you talk about how you grew up in poverty and the long-term impact that's had on you. Can you describe that? Yeah, I grew up in Darien, Connecticut, which is one of the, per capita, one of the most affluent places in the world. But my mom and I, my dad died when I was quite young, and so my mom and I lived in Darien because the schools were good, but we were on food stamps, we were on welfare, she was unemployed a lot. So until I was 18 years old, I'd never met another poor person. And growing up poor in an affluent, in such an affluent environment um, is very, it's disconcerting in a lot of ways. Like, because you have a constant sense of inadequacy, a constant sense of shame. Uh, you know, you can't really bring people back to your house. You have to, you know, pretend that the clothes you're wearing didn't come from Salvation Army or Goodwill. Uh, so even now, I mean, I've had you know, the circumstances of my life have changed a lot, but I still feel like, you know, if you grow up poor, to some extent, you'll always self-identify as being a poor kid. When you were at your lowest point, what was the first thing you did to start to revive yourself and your career? I mean, I bottomed out as an alcoholic and just a, an, an emotional mess for a pretty long time. There was about six years, from like 2002 to about 2008, when I finally got sober, and that bottoming out, as I said, it wasn't just like one or two bad episodes, it was hundreds and thousands, it was a daily misery. And when I finally sort of emerged from it, because emerging involved admitting to myself that the things I thought were going to bring me happiness and meaning didn't, you know, again, whether that was fame, affluence, degeneracy, depravity, you know, alcohol, drugs, all the things that I relied on to make me happy, I had to finally admit they weren't working. 
And then there's that, that huge challenge when you accept that the things in your life aren't working, but you don't have the skill set to replace them. So you have to start sort of like humbly, cautiously assessing the other things in your life to figure out what does actually work. And who are some positive influences to help you get through that too? Um, and it's funny because we're sitting on uh, Bleecker and Elizabeth, between, well, Bleecker between Mott and Elizabeth. And when I was a drunk, I mean, the first time I got drunk in this neighborhood was 1978. So 41 years ago. And, but I also got sober in this neighborhood. And the best teachers I had in sobriety were the old alcoholics in AA. You know, I mean, also because we're a block away from the Bowery. So like the AA meetings around here, especially a while ago, were really gritty. You know, it wasn't like fashion stylists who had maybe had like too many glasses of Chardonnay. It was like bottomed out Bowery drunks who had like lost kidneys and, you know, had hepatitis C, like really bottomed out people. But their wisdom, their simple, simple wisdom, and it was very unconventional at times. Like I remember this old Bowery drunk saying to me once, he said, he said, basically, the key to happiness is selflessness and spirituality. You know, and this is like an 80-year-old bottomed-out Bowery drunk who's probably still homeless. And he said, it's a, he said, if you focus on spirituality and service, he said, you'll do okay. And I thought he was full of nonsense. Turns out he was 100% correct. Yeah, and you talk about mental health in the book, about how you suffer from anxiety and depression, mm -hmm. and there's somewhat of a mental health crisis in America and UK and everywhere in the world. People are feeling it. So how do you best deal with mental health, your mental health, and then like being empathetic to other people that you're interacting with? I think first and foremost, the easiest is the physical side. You know, I mean, thoughts are complicated. Emotions are complicated. Personal histories are complicated. And trying to understand thoughts and emotions and our personal histories, like that's very challenging. But our bodies, that we can kind of understand. You know, like if you eat garbage, you're going to be depressed. You're going to be sick and you're going to be depressed. If you fill yourself with chemicals, you're going to be depressed. So it's almost like, like I think there's the Buddha apparently said, like you can't really have a troubled mind in a very healthy body. Mm -hmm. So it's like, first and foremost, just get healthy. And I think for a lot of people, like remove the toxins, remove the super refined foods, remove the animal products. And you'll find that like a lot of depression actually comes simply from your body trying to process stuff that it was never designed to process. And then once you've done that, then you can sort of with a degree of clarity address your thoughts, address your history, address your feelings. And what's your best piece of career advice? My best piece of career advice is, and it might sound like a cliche, but it's above all else, love what you do. That's nothing is more important than that because if you love what you do like like why is Tesla why well granted Elon's a little insane but like why did Tesla do well because Elon Musk loves what he does you know and why did Apple you know become like the biggest corporation in human history because Steve Jobs loved what he was doing if you love what you're doing 
It increases the chances you'll be good at it. It increases the chances you'll work harder at it. It increases the chances that you'll like work through adversity. It increases the chances that you'll ignore the haters. Like if you don't love what you do, you will doubt yourself every step of the way. If you love what you do, you will be so good at what you do and you'll work so hard at it. And then like for example, music. Like if I make a record and it does well, fine. If I make a record and it fails, I don't really care because I loved working on it. You know? So that's totally the most important piece of advice I could have for anyone. You'll just give up too quickly. Yeah, I mean I've seen how many times have we seen people do that? It's like someone starts something that they're not sure about, it doesn't work out, so they stop. Same thing. Start, stop, start, stop. It's like just love like be inspired by the love for what you do and you will work 18 hours a day and be happy constantly. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Moby. To follow his journey, you can read his book, Then It Fell Apart, and find him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, where he shares his new music, travels, political views, and pictures of animals to support animal rights. We hope you enjoyed today's show and the amazing advice our guests provided. Remember that you can only benefit from advice if you act on it. Before you do, we would appreciate your feedback in the form of a review. You can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or a podcatcher of your choice. Your feedback would be very much appreciated. Head over to danshawbell.com slash review now.